And so I think, you know, and, and so for a long time, I was just like, I don't know how I've just sort of like managed to paint myself into the corner of basically doing things I don't want to do, but I did. And so I, and so this book, uh, this book was, was a sort of a rebellious act of some kind. I mean, I was kind of, I was doing it with no real intention to publish it. I was just trying to do one thing in my life that I would enjoy. Hey, yeah. Thanks for listening. Last week, I uh, wrapped up the Clarion West Write-A-Thon for 2023. The fundraiser I participated in, I don't know, for the last three years to help raise money for the organization, to offer classes for underserved voices in the speculative fiction realm. But it was great. I uh, wrote about a third to about 40% of my book. Ghost Wing. And um, I think the manuscript for the first draft will end up being somewhere between 150 to 160,000 words. I, you know, I, I'm giving myself a, a comfortable margin of saying by the end of the year, but it would be great if I could get it done sooner than later. But we'll see. Client work has reared its head and ramped back up. So uh, the timing was pretty good. I would have been great if it started this week, but uh, you know, I get, you don't know, get to choose these things. The projects are very cool. When I can talk about them, I will. That's the end of the talking about the the Writeathon fundraiser. So thank you. I appreciate your being patient for any time I brought it up. This week's guest is Xander Cannon. I've known Xander, boy, since the late nineties. I guess he's about. 10 years younger than me, but he was a young guy just getting into the business. And he's just a really, really sharp and present individual. And and we haven't really had a long conversation of any sort that there wasn't a, a table in between the two of us in an aisle. So he has his magnum opus project, Kaiju Max, which he is, I guess, six seasons of this comic series. So if you can find Kaiju Max, go check it out. If you love it already, you're ahead of the game. And uh, this is me and Xander Cannon. So you're sporting the Vertigo shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. It is funny because like people, I mean, obviously, you know, comic people still remember it, but it's fading from people's memories, you know. Sure. You know, it's uh, and, and it, of course, I, I remember wearing it and some friend of my son's was like, is that the drug from like the Flash TV show? <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe oh, that sounds right. Wow, you know, what? it sounds like something they would do. How <laughs> interesting that 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 they would do that. Like that DC would allow the word Vertigo to be used for that, right? When it's one of it's it. Listen, it's one of their it's one of their copyrights. That's an interesting. Yeah. Well, and I and I mean, it's like, but it's like, I mean, it's such a thing where it's like, oh, everything you know, everything takes place on like. Kirby Avenue or like Infantino, you know, Infantino or whatever. Yeah, right. No, totally, totally. So they, they're like, well, we got to put in the, you know, because all the nerds writing the show. And, yeah, you know, sure. And it's like, I'm one of the nerds writing the stuff, you know. Yeah, you right. can't resist it. Well, I mean, it's how, I mean, how different is it than the, you know, the comics we made, um, you know, when we're young, we're like putting everyone we know's name into it. We're just like, oh yeah, this, that, and the other thing, you know, and it, it's just like, it's part of the, out of the homage of our homage of our life. You know, you right. kind of like 
give representation to all these little parts of your life in, in a in a comic book form or story form, depending on what sort of stories you make. And and so far, the only person that it's really bitten has been uh, Todd uh, McFarlane when he named some gangster after a, a hockey player who then sued him. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Like I think his name was Tony Twist. I I don't know the. I mean I don't know the whole story, but they they oh that's him. that's just that just sounds like a real bad like move like on that hockey player's like manager They're like hey that guy's rich let's try to get his money right. well and yeah and it's like I'm sure it it was the one comic book that ever made any money you know <laughs> that did that so they were like they're like well we gotta. <laughs> get cash in. I have to retire at the age of 38, so I got to do something for the money. <laughs> right, I, I got to get teeth, so I'm gonna have to. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make that teeth fund now. No, those aren't free. Uh, no, they're not. Um, so I was actually thinking about you earlier today, and um, I was thinking, actually, was thinking about Vertigo, and I was wondering, like, did you have crossover in Vertigo? Because thinking, like, you know, when you came into the business you know, vertigo was still a thing and you weren't, you weren't fights and tights dude. So yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing I did, I mean, the first thing this is incredible, but the first thing I did for DC comics or anything was, was all the uh, Wildstorm, you know, America's best comic stuff. Um, Mm. Plucked me out of obscurity as it were, but ever after that, I was sort of like trying to get work where I could it, and I knew more people at DC than I knew anywhere else. And so, yeah, like I ended up doing, I ended up sort of like pitching a bunch of stuff or being like attached as an artist for a pitch, uh, for a couple, um, you know, like, uh, there was a, uh, what was it called? Infinity kid. God, kid not, infinity. No, what's the a kid. Oh, no. Eternity. Kid Eternity. Kid Eternity. Kid Eternity. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was going to be a re- Kid Eternity reboot. I was the artist on that. That didn't go anywhere. Um, you know, that I was going to do a swamp thing that didn't happen. You know, just there were a lot of, you know, a lot of things that mm-hmm. kind of almost happened. Did some stuff for, uh, and then, and then I ended up doing layouts. Like I found my level at DC, which was to do layouts for books, you know, Vertigo books, DCU books, um, whatever they had because it's like i my art style just was not a fit anywhere mm-hmm. really or we couldn't figure it out and so i was just doing sort of like conventional adventure layouts for you know whatever superboy justice league uh fables ferris uh you know 50 other things right um and, you know because they were like oh this artist is slow or this we're changing artists so we want to have a consistency or um you know, the artist is new, and so they they don't. You know, their storytelling is not so great, or mm-hmm. um, and that was always. And actually, it's like it seems like oh, that stuff is below the line, not interesting yeah. at all. But it was super fun. I mean, it was I, unbelievable practice. Yeah. No, it, and it's so funny. Like when you're hearing you say that, I'm all I'm thinking of like, oh God, that would be like the dream. You know, I'm, listen, I'm way too old to be doing comics anymore. It feels like, but the idea of just sitting and doing the layouts because the storytelling is really the jazz. You know, yeah. for the drawing part, the rest of it's noodling. You know, like you, like how much of a noodler are you yeah. after that? Point? And I do like some noodling for sure. Yeah. But like, uh, you know, but it, but it really was like, um, there was there was a lot to be said for like you know, you can't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be there to draw my way out of a bad layout. And so I had to make sure that the layouts 
mm-hmm. you know, were good from the, from the start. I mean, or, you know, at the very least conventional, you know, like, cause so many times writers are just kind of depending on you to like kind of knock out the, the usual, like big panel, wide panel, three little panels sure. at the bottom, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and it, because it works, it's, you know, it's, yeah. it, there's a rhythm to it and it works really well. And so then, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed doing that kind of stuff, and it was funny too because it's like I wouldn't really get all the notes, so like I wouldn't, you know, I'd be I'd be like sketching in characters the way the wrong, you know, st- costumes. Like there was a big thing called uh, Pandora Trinity of Sin, where okay. like the, the seven deadly sins from Shazam were were there, and I'm drawing them like the '40s ones where they're like <laughs> they look like the you know tragedy comedy masks almost. You know, yeah. And they're like, yeah, no, they've redesigned them since 1940. They're scary now. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. All right, cool. I guess I won't do so much there. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I remember I was, uh, when Dave Johnson and I were roommates and studio mates, he was late on a particular project and he came in one day with this like brainstorm of like, Hey, why don't you do the layouts for the story? And then I'll just do the finishes. And I was so insulted. I was like, how dare you, sir? You know, and I'm like, you know, it, and it's just because I wasn't busy enough for my own work that I think I was just like, that's, you know, it, it, that's beneath me, but it, it shouldn't have been. And it would have been a blast to have done it. Cause I mean, to see what Dave would do on top of, you know, I think his pitch wasn't the smoothest pitch and I, you know, I'll just give it, you know, I'll leave you pressure on myself. His pitch wasn't exactly like he, I think he just needed someone to kind of like throw some grease on the axle and then, you know, and eventually it'll get rolling on its own. But yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I know, I know how, how eloquent I am when I'm like way behind on a deadline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not at yeah. all. None. No, there's no eloquence left. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, so uh, two things stand out um, right away. One is the, um, well, let's, let's go, the, let's go the funny route and then we'll go the sort of the deeper route. One is what's the closest, pro- since you had like all those sort of near misses with, you know, proposal projects and whatever what's the closest one that actually like got to the happening or even further, but then never came to fruition? Um, well, I had a, uh, I mean, kid eternity was really close. Actually, it was really, it was, it was basically approved up the line. And then mm-hmm. I think, uh, Paul Levitz, who was the, you know, who was the top guy at the time. Uh, I think he, I think he sort of spiked it because, I think that he had, it, I mean, it, it, the story I was told that he had some like nostalgia for it and we were changing the character too much. I mean, it was, mm. you know, and it's like, cause it was gender flipped and it was sort of like, you know, that we were adding all this weird lore to it. And, um, you know, the, there was the character to pet weasel. I don't know. <laughs> like, it was, right. it was a bunch of funny stuff, but it was Mike Carey was the writer. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was great and it was fun and I, you know, I liked my designs, but like, yeah, it just, even, even sort of the, I don't know if it was Vertigo, but I mean, whoever sort of did the sort of the hipper version of it in the '90s, even that mm-hmm. kind of stuck a little bit closer to to it, I, and it was just it was just too different. And yeah. that's that's fine. I mean, a lot of times when I get into stuff like that, I'm I'm not really thinking ahead about whether I have enough time to do things like that. I mean, I would have made time, but it's like when I, when when something doesn't happen, sometimes you're like, oh boy, that's a load off my mind. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's like the, it it is so weird. Like it is such a great feeling when something goes away because we we typically have to kind of, you know, when you're, when you run your own creative world, you have to overbook 
to right. to cover to cover your bets. Right. And sometimes you're totally smoked, and you're like, I can't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And that's when friends come into play. But um, and then the other times you're just sitting around like staring at the wall. So wow. right. And I mean, yeah, like that. Um, yeah, that's that's hard, and that's why you always kind of have to have like a no deadline. You know, cre- uh, your own creative project that you can just be like, well, I guess I'm working. Because I'm working on this, right? You know, for nothing, for no money, right? Right. Okay. So the 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 the, di- the deeper sort of discussion point that I thought of was, I don't know why Vertigo's not around, and I don't know why Epic isn't around, and yeah. I, I know why they're not around. The reason being is they both had champions, Archie, mm-hmm. you no. Know, and um and a bunch of other people who've long since left yeah right right and so they had these champions who you know you know raised the banner and carried it on but eventually like that somebody's like on you know looking at the spreadsheet and is like hey wait a minute and they usually get nabbed by that point well and i think that that's i mean i think it was really too bad to sort of say like okay vertigo's gone as an imprint and it's like it's it's there it's you could just use it all the time. Like sure. what, it's just another office. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not even a different office. <laughs> no, I mean, like it's like black label. Like, yeah. which they're doing great work. Like why not just have the vertigo imprint that you could slap on a book. If someone's like, Hey, I've got this really cool idea for animal yeah. man. Okay, cool. Well, and, and right when Wildstorm was being sort of brought into uh, DC, I remember thinking like, Oh, that's really, it would be really smart if they could kind of, because I mean, Wildstorm had a very sort of like, you know, hip sort of like powerful, you know, image, you know, at that mm-hmm. time, or it's like, oh, you know, the, like, oh, this is the next, this is the next iteration, you know, like, oh, Batman, you know, Batman, if, you know, take it to another extreme, well, that's like Wildcats or whatever, you know, whatever. It's mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking like, that would be really smart if they kind of said DCU is more or less all ages. Wildstorm is, is getting a little bit, you know, it's, it's PG-13 plus, and then Vertigo's R. And that, and then you could just have your separate, that's your separation. Yeah. And it's like, it seems really hacky to, to sort of separate it by age, but like, I don't know, that's, it seems like that was, that would be what would work. And that would be what would, you'd be able to say, yeah, this one is fine for books and for the children's, you know, children's section mm-hmm. of a bookstore. Um, this is all, this is adults only, you know, and I don't know. I, that that always just seemed like the thing that they should do, but they 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 thought differently. And now both Wildstorm and uh, Vertigo are gone. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it's you know, there's that. You know, everyone's scrambling now to do their you know middle grade graphic novel for you know a, a big five you know big four publisher, and that's great. But I just so hope there are enough people recognizing that they need to evolve that from the middle grade. You know, into the YA and into the regular reader, genre, you know, categories. Because if we don't have that, the you know, the middle grade, you know, graphic novel is going to burn out. Like it, it, it because there's going to be too much, too much content, and people, people are like, uh, the next thing is going to be more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there will always be. I mean, it's, it's just sort of overstretching its, you know, its limits yeah. at this point. Or it's just like, yeah, there's, there's no way we need that many, especially now that they never go away. You know. <laughs> Right. right. Yeah. Five years ago, we're still great for every eight year old that, you know, that enters the second grade or whatever. And that's, you know, right. I mean, and that's the thing about anything that's published. It it is truly there forever. If, you know, if there's a call for it, it's there forever. And 
you know, you have this very strong, like we, you know, we who make stuff go, you know, if we're not cognizant of the world around us, we go, I don't know why the thing I'm making isn't where I want it to be. And the, the reason being is we, we don't look at the the picture clearly. The picture isn't controlled by the creators, the agents, the editors, the publishers. It's controlled by the shelf space. So Barnes & Noble shelf space or comic book shelf space is where the rubber hits the road for what can be put out there. Because you can't put everything in a shelf, just not enough space. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think about all the stuff that you know, that was made in the nineties and stuff like that. That was just, you know, for, you know, to, for lack of a better term, it was just sort of like the pure outpouring of somebody's creativity in their mid twenties mm-hmm. or whatever. And because the world was so small at the time, it's like, okay, yeah, that's like, that's kind of like one of the indie, like my, I, I did a book called the replacement God and it was pretty uneven and, you know, and sort of more or less uh, sort of all ages. And it was like, you know, it's like one of the, you know, fantasy books that's coming out this month. And it, it kind of had a lot more prominence than it would now. Like now it would, people would be like, well, you know, where's this going? You know, why is it, why are you doing it in such, such odd increments? And I mean, you know, like mm-hmm. th- there's all these sort of things that you kind of have to settle into now to have yeah. any shot at being, at being seen. Just a, a sort of a, an ongoing series that kind of doesn't know where it's going is, that's hard. That's hard to find a place. It's super tough. And it's real tough when you read stuff and you look and you, and you go, boy, like I'm not getting the thread here yet. Like nobody has laid down the story. And I really wonder, like, I remember, I mean, I'm sure you've done your fair share of portfolio reviews and yeah. the, inevitable, the inevitable of like, you're looking at their story and, and they go, it's a slow build. And I'm like, you don't have the luxury of a slow build, not in the terms of if you've never done anything for anybody before, you don't have any luxury. If you are a name, you got to have some latitude there. Right. Well, yeah. And I think too, like when people come up with it, they have a new, like a new series. And it's like, if the first issue ends on a cliffhanger, it's like, I know this seems arbitrary, but it's like, come on, you got it. I mean, you got to basically, finish the first act if you have an, even if you have an ongoing story you kind of have to finish the first act to say like this is our character this is mm-hmm. what their life is like this is the the inciting incident that gets them to go and take a step towards you know they can't take back or whatever you know the, the usual right. sort of story craft stuff and then uh uh and and i think that if it doesn't do that it's like i don't know this isn't the 90s anymore like there's, there's just too much competition you know just the way you can't yeah. have a black and white book anymore <laughs> you know for Oof. better or for worse yeah. No, you're right. You can't be like, yeah, you can't be slow rolling this, you know, your genre adventure, you know? No. And, and I don't, and I almost like, you know, and I, you know, there's all this pressure of like, get to it, get to it, get to it when it comes, you know, in the visual story medium and the literary story, story medium as well. But I don't even know if it's that so much. I think it's a matter of like, how, like garnering, you know, sort of, credibility with the people who are, are engaging with what you, you make. And, you know, like the, like I said, the, the sooner you're in the, the newer you are, the more you need to do this rather yeah. than just fulfill your dream and fantasy of doing the thing, yeah. um, which is tough. I mean, it's a tough thing that you have to be conscious of like, this isn't just my time to shine. I need to really like 
produce something that is going to connect. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think too, like I'll, I'll look back at a comic that I got, you know, 10 years ago and I'll be like, Oh yeah, I got one or two issues about it. It's just so gorgeous. And I'm like, Oh, it felt like there's this epic story and da, da, da. And then you read the whole thing and you're like, Oh no, I didn't know where they were going. Like they just, right. <laughs> they just kind of petered out because they were doing some cool art and that that's fine. And you know, and I, you hate to make people do things that are kind of mercenary or sort of hacky, but like, boy, it wouldn't hurt everybody to just sort of say like, make a six issue series or a 150 page graphic novel that has a beginning, middle and end that mm-hmm. almost could serve as a pitch for a movie. Right. And you'd be so much happier because it's like, yeah, you, you don't want it to be sort of this naked, nakedly sort of like ambitious, like, oh yeah, you know, I don't, this is just a stepping stone to a movie, but, but it's like, boy, you could sure benefit from having a three act structure, you know, and a, and a, and a conclusive end. Yeah. I, and that's, I mean, it's tough because I mean, I think we're, you know, weaned on the, you know, the nonstop monthlies or the, the television series that just goes on in perpetuity until, until somebody pulls a plug. So, I mean, the X-Men is still running. And the yeah. X-Men has been running since the late sixties. Like it, it's, it isn't stopped. It's just going and there is no structure. It, yeah. It's just, here's a little chunk of something that we're going to squeeze into this ongoing, you know. Offer. Yeah. And, and I mean, I loved, and I loved the X-Men and it was mm-hmm. so good, but it was also like, it was just terrible, like training for storytelling structure. Terrible right. training. You yeah. know, like ne- ne- you could never conclude a story. And even if you did, there would be, have to be like a little code at the end where it was like, you know, but then this guy's alive or you and know. the hand rises up from the, the pit, you know, like, Oh, it's not, it's never yeah. over. Okay. You know, and I mean, yeah. that was, that's fun. And that's, that's its own thing. That's great. But it's also like sure. now when an ongoing comic book series is, is almost an impossibility to start a new one, you know, mm-hmm. like without it being the X-Men or something like that. Or yeah, yeah, or so, or some sort of variation of, yeah, yeah. The you know, I mean, I can remember how sort of, sort of lambasted Frank Miller was when doing Ronan, because yeah. it just it, it 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 this wasn't comic books like Frank Miller comic books for so many people, and and I just adored it. You know, when it came out, I'm like, this is the most amazing thing, and I think it was because at that time I was really identifying you know, those, those sort of those single issues in a comic series, those just standalone one shot issues as things I really preferred. And yeah. I think that's like, that sort of drives the mind to saying, I want a standalone isolated thing, which was not common or, or available back in the day. Yeah. Well, and, and Ronan too was like, I mean, I was crazy bonkers and stuff, but it was also like, a, a tight story, you know, yeah. all, all those threads got tied up at the end. Nobody, he wasn't, he wasn't doing anything that wasn't, you know, I mean, and now, I mean, it's, it's almost quaint now. I mean, they do weirder stuff in comics every day, but, uh, right. but like, but I mean, yeah, it was, it was so, it was so tightly written, you know, uh-huh. I think that, uh, that, that was, that was kind of an amazing thing that, that people are like, Oh, this, you know, this whatever pretentious or like, uh, you know, uh, indulgent, uh, you know, art stuff is that's, it's on the way out. It's like, okay. I don't know. I, I want, you you wonder like, you know, I mean, I I understand the, I understand the system, you know, the, 
they need to make their money. Like the publisher needs to make their money. So they'll take a, a Ronin or a Dark Knight Returns or, or, you know, a Watchmen and break it up. Like, can we just make this four issues, 12 issues, whatever the thing is, which I'm sure if the, if DC said to more like, well, how many pages do you need to tell your story? Mm-hmm. And the, he's like, oh, I need this amount of pages. And they go, okay, we'll publish that book versus making it a, a you know, a 10 issue uh, miniseries or a 12 issue. And, um, you know, I think Ronin, if it just came out in a chunk, I think people would have been like, there's a book. Right. Well, and they certainly wouldn't have, have so much that they brought into it. Like if, you know, graphic novels are so rare then that they'd be like, oh yeah, well, this is, you know, this is of a, a type with contract with God and mouse and, you know, a and bunch super of other boxers. Things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does. It's not something where I'm like, oh, I just wish it was daredevil mm-hmm. necessarily. Yeah. And that impulse is there because this is the guy who, you know, changed the industry for, you know, in, in one fashion with daredevil and, then he hops over and does this and everyone wants more daredevil, but you know, he, he had other things to do. Um, yeah. I, so like for you, like what was it like that was yours? Can you remember an early driver that made you want to tell your own stories? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, probably the, probably one of the biggest ones that made me go, Oh, I think that this could happen is, mm-hmm. um, uh, Matt Fazell is a, is a, comic book artist he's in he's in De- the detroit area he did these mini comics uh called cynical man and uh and they were stick figure mini comics he's an excellent artist but he did stick figures you know and and uh you know and there was a stick fi- there was cynical man and anti-social man and cute girl and you know all these i mean it was it was like this sort of thing where it's like the first thing that you think of when you want to make a mini comic just a mm-hmm. bunch of silly little things like that and they had them at the comic book store where I was, you know, I was in the middle school or something. And, and I thought, well, I mean, obviously you think I could, I could do this. I could draw a stick figure. How to do this. I mean, like even then I could tell like, Oh, he's, it's not a limitation of his style. He's doing this on purpose. Um, mm. cause he also had many, other mini comics that were like drawn, you know, more traditionally or whatever. And, uh, and so I remember thinking, seeing that, and then at the same time, you know, Ninja Turtles were coming out and those and like the art on those were so it was so chunky and like and you could kind of see the thumbprints on it, so to speak. Yep. But then I was like, okay, like this isn't this isn't sort of this isn't like picking up Daredevil Love and War by Bill Sinkevich and and being like, I don't even know where how you start making this. Right. This is something where it's like you know, and so I remember being twelve or something and going, you know, b- bugging my mom to take me to the to the uh, art supply store and uh, figuring out these pens and like, like kind of testing them out and going like, okay, okay, I think I can do that. Cause I knew that I had, to, if I wanted to photocopy it, I had to get something that wasn't just pencil and, uh, and sort of put all these things together. Uh, and I, you know, I remember having to figure out like the pagination of like an eight page mini comic, like what, you know, the summer upside down. That's algebra, That's algebra yeah, man. Yeah. Pages, pages three and four and, you know, or whatever. And like, and having to figure that out, like go to the store and go like, oh, 10 cent photocopies. Okay. I wonder if I can find a place where there's five cent photocopies. Sure. You know? Right. You know, and so, and putting all this stuff together, I made a mini comic that was called, uh, the, uh, the Ninja Garbage Man, which nice. is uh, classic. And, uh, you know, and of course, you know, it's like mid eighties because so ninjas were the, the hot thing. And so, yeah, I made, a, I made a bunch of them and, uh, sold them to my friends for a quarter. And like, you know, that was the thing where I was like, 
you know, because because nothing in there looked as good as the stuff in my sketchbook, right? Because mm. it was because I was doing stuff in my sketchbook with shading things and making it look nice. This is pen pen and pen pen and paper, and it was, you know, pretty iffy. <laughs> and uh, but that was one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, if you want to make something that can be printed, it has to. You have to kind of do. You have to be good enough that you can take it down to eighty percent of your you know overall skill level, and then it's still acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty, uh, prescient for, for middle schooler. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was a hard, hard one lesson where I was like, God, this looks bad, but I think I can, I think I can pull this out. Like, <laughs> you know, it, but, it, it would be wonderful to like, if you're in contact with any of those people who, you know, bought your comic at that time to, it would be great to like, to share a drink with them and get their impression of this sort of tour de force effort by a fellow seventh grader. Because I, you would have to think like her, anytime any kid did anything that was really impressive, it was like almost legendary. Like this, right. oh, this, this kid, you know, he jumped at a skateboard over that, you know, that thing over there. You're like, that's not possible. And then like you're, you might be the part of legend of like, Oh no, I grew up this kid and he like made comic books. You know, you're well, like, what? You know, I mean, that's the, that's the, uh, the, the, the magic and the horror of Facebook is like, I am still in contact with a lot of those people. And it's like, and they're like, <laughs> and they'll bring it up every time I, I'm like, Oh yeah, I did a panel at San Diego comic-con. Oh, they're like, Oh, this is kind of like when you did Ninja garbage, man. I still have my <laughs> copy. I'm waiting for it to be, you know, a million dollars, you know, like me yeah, too. Yeah. and, uh, yeah, I mean, and it, it is, I, it was, I mean, it is funny cause I, yeah, a lot of people will bring it up like, Oh yeah, I, I still have that mini comic sitting around, you know, um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's it's really fun. I mean, you know, and I mean, I'm well. I the panel I gave at San Diego is about making mini comics. I'm, that's what I always hand out to kids who come to the studio. It's like, here's some mini comics that we made. Like, I don't know. It's there's there's something about how there's so many ways to make comics now, but that's still the lowest barrier to entry. Is like you know these dumb little mini comics. It, you just have to figure out how to you know draw them and photocopy them and cut them up. And, it's still know. kind of the coolest too. Like there's yeah. there's something. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it would be, I mean, if it wasn't such a laborious process, it would be great for more creators to do more mini comics just because I think it would be a real cool, Hey, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's just like this, Hey, here's my little, like I, I cut a single, you know, this, this small little piece of whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I bring, I've started to really try to bring my mini comics to the, to, conventions again because it's like that's the, mm -hmm. always the thing that people you know, especially when i don't have something new uh it's that's the thing that no one has because they're never in stores or whatever um right i don't know and they're always they're, it's always kind of fun to to have them go like oh yeah this is a weird little thing <laughs> like yeah. there's a, mini, no, there's a mini comic that i did like i mean 15 years ago that i just i found it again and i reprinted a bunch of them and it's called master of feng shui and it's like a kung fu revenge story where the guy like <laughs> you know, re reorganizes people's furniture and stuff, hangs up wind chimes, you know. <laughs> and like, you I know. guess, you could, oh, you could use that to, to control environments and, you know, you could be evil. You could oh, do yeah. it evilly. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, there's, you know, there's obviously an, an evil feng shui master that he has to battle against and like, yeah. you know, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, I, lo I love anyway, it. It's the most, I love it's it. most research I've ever done. 
for the fewest number of pages. Like it's an eight-page mini comic, and I I researched it forever, you know, to make sure that it was right. And there's there's still mistakes, but like, but it's of course. they're respectful, you know. It's it's respectful in any case. Right. Oh, that's awesome. How did you like? So like for me. I, I don't really have a recollection of how cognizant I was of the specific tasks of comic book makers until I got the how to draw comics in Marvel way back in like in the seventies. And like, now did you have that? And is that how you knew the artwork had to be in ink or did you, or did you just have a special superpower at a young age to know production needed to have black and white? I mean, uh, well, I did, I did see that. And I mean, you know, I remember kind of being like, wait a second, he's using a brush with a, with a ruler, like, you know, all, all the stuff. I mean, I have basically all those pages memorized, but yeah, like, uh, I'm sure that was part of it. And, you know, and certainly I knew like, oh, there's, you know, that some people use pens, some people use brushes, you know, everything starts with pencil and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, my, uh, my mom's an artist as well. I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't do cartoons but i think that you know she's a very practical person she would be like oh you you know you're gonna have to draw this in, in pen we're gonna have to get you some, uh, some good stuff you know or whatever stuff that would yeah. work um, oh that's cool yeah so that's, and, where you, that's where you get the encouragement is from is from mom in that respect right, right yeah she i mean and she's a uh she's a quilt maker um she makes like art quilts that you'd hang on walls and mm-hmm. you know and they're they're peculiar and they're like, you know, she'll use all kinds of different things. She'll use like a, you know, uh, wax paper and she'll use like, she'll tie toys onto it. And, you know, that kind of, that kind of cool. thing. So I mean, no big surprise that like all my interests are so weird as well. <laughs> well, I mean, let's call, let's call the interests not weird, but interesting. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like for me, it was a very sort of clear path. Like I was like, I'm going to go, do comic books. I think it was like at the age of 12, you know, 10, 11 or 12. I was like, this is what I want to do. And I was very much focused on it. And then, you know, went off to art school specifically to do comic books. Like there was no other, everything else seemed to be an inconvenience. Um, like what, like, did you have that? Was that like sort of an obsessive thing for you or did you sort of sideline into it? Um, I, well, I wanted to do comics for sure. But I mean, you know, I was always sort of like, oh, I could probably do comics and this other thing and this other thing, you know, like I, I think oh, that, cool. that's sort of the, the ADHD brain where you're like, well, yeah, you know, it'll be a sideline, basically a full-time job that I'll do like for, with a one third of my time or something. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, and because I, when I was in college, I did a lot of theater because I did, a, it, it was, um, I mean, it was the same sort of thing where the, it was, it was applied art instead of art for art's sake, which I never really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Like uh, I would take a, printmaking class or a painting class and it's like yeah i like the techniques and stuff but i much preferred designing costumes or designing sets and sort of like painting all that stuff and you know and like you have to design this costume for this character because it represents their you know their personality in this way and their background in this way and i i like that sort of the you know how applicable it was to sort of like a larger project instead of just here's a beautiful picture or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, I am not, uh, I never, I always thought my thought of myself as being an artist who was good enough. Like, and, and again, that's, that's comics for you where it's like, you don't want to draw every panel, the most beautiful thing you've ever seen and you'll never finish. Right. And I like I like sort of saying like, yeah, it's good enough that it's going to be, 
just what it needs to be. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and no more. And I, and, um, and so, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, I kind of did a couple things like that theater and, uh, um, you know, I was, I was on the, I was always on the newspaper staff and writing, writing stuff about it. And, 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 and I was always, um, and I was an English major. So I, I was really kind of like in, in the literature space more than I was in the art space. In, in okay. The so, um, but comics was always a thing that I wanted to do. And I mean, I got, I mean, I got a job as a comic book artist when I was still in college, still in college, I was 20 years old. So right. uh, I almost didn't have time to like, think about what I wanted to do. I was just blasting people with submissions and, uh, you know, and it was 1993. So it was sort of an accepted, uh, sort of corporate risk to, to get like newcomers mm-hmm. to do stuff, you know, like cause Jim Lee was, was so young off. and Rob Liefeld was so young and all those guys mm-hmm. were hotshot artists and they were, you know, they were all young too. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, I think that actually was probably the sweet spot area when the young, they were looking at younger and younger people, like how can they find talent at a younger age? Because it was kind of, it was kind of a cool thing. Like Joe Matarera, like Joe Mm -hmm. was 17, I think like in 1990, you know? Wow. And yeah, I mean, he was, he was like a kid and it, but you know, and then you know, J. Scott Campbell was, pre- I think he was pretty young when they, when he started working for Wildstorm. Here's a funny thing. J. Scott Campbell went to the next high school over from me. And so I think he was maybe a year or two ahead of me. And so we had a little, we had an insert into our yearbook of like all the, you know, uh, like popular movies and musical acts of like 1990 caricatured by him. And oh, I mean, really? and so he must've been 19 years old when he did that. And it was, I mean, spot on everybody looked you know like i mean he was he was a he was a menace like yeah so good. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was thinking oh wait i'm gonna hear an art war story but uh this is uh, oh no i yeah, no, I, I didn't have a chance <laughs> i know i hate it i, I it was with those kids in school like there were always there's always one person who was always better than you you're like oh man oh, yeah. just when that guy clears out it's all me yeah it's all me yeah it's funny. I, and I, if there were people who are doing comics, I mean, there are a lot of artists, you know, mm-hmm. who were like, you know, looked like they were on the path to being like gallery artists, but I, that, that never appealed to me. And so, um, so I was kind of the, the comic book guy and it was like, no, nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to have anything to do with that. They're like, yeah, it's all, it's all yours. You got, you got that, you got that <laughs> award. Enjoy it. Yeah. Well, that's, and it's so funny when you said that earlier about like something that was applicable you know, like if the art could be applicable to something, it was a much easier task to kind of, you know, sort of take it on than this sort of like blank canvas of nothing. Just make a painting or whatever. Like I, I, I always felt like it was easier to solve those solve those problems versus just make something up. Yeah, and and I think you know, and it, not that art has to serve a purpose but i liked it to i mean i always liked art to serve a story purpose or mm-hmm. i mean I, you know i think that everybody sort of went through a phase where they loved like mc escher or they loved stuff that like has a puzzle in it somehow or like mm-hmm. uh you know it's like this it, you look at this page and it sells you the secret location of a whatever it was i mean yeah, there's sure. a couple of those books in the 80s and uh yeah i mean i always kind of liked something secret secret or that it was a that it had a purpose rather than just 
check out how nice this is. Yeah. But so this, this is an interesting, okay. You write stuff and you were an English, you know, you were an English major. Were you, were you envisioning, you know, writing as your career in some fashion? I mean, no, I, I really did think about, I mean, it was comics. Like I wanted to do, okay. I wanted to do comics. And I, and again, it's like, I didn't really care much for the idea of being a prose author at all either, because mm-hmm. I mean, again, this, and this is a slightly different thing. I was kind of like, what I liked about comics is that it was kind of below the radar in terms of its respectability. <laughs> I totally you know, get that, that. Like, yeah. I mean, cause it's like, Oh, what's the best thing that you can do as a, as a gallery artist? well, you make the greatest painting that anyone ever did. And maybe that sells for a million dollars or maybe it's in a museum and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you're celebrated and, and, you know, the, by the New York glitterati or whatever. And right. then the, the, and then the best thing you could do as a, as an author is like the greatest American novel that's ever been written. And it summarizes everybody's experiences. Well, and the best thing, you, but the best thing at the time that you can do with comics is just like make a decent whodunit. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of fun and a thrill ride. And I'm like, I like that. I, I mean, yeah. that's doable. All the other stuff is like, I don't even know how you'd start. Right. Well, I, so I've been, I've been grappling with this. So my, you know, my whole career is, you know, it, you know, making comic books and being a designer and an art director is solving other people's problems. You know, you're taking some, you're, it's not you generating from nothing. You have to come, you have to have frameworks yeah. and structure. and I've been, but I've been writing prose for the last, I guess, four or five years. And it's, it, you know, it takes up most of my time that I'm not getting paid to do other things. And, and I'm thinking about that generation from nothing aspect because it didn't exist for me for so long. And I'm trying to figure out where the connections to come from that. And I think back to being a kid with action figures. And playing incessantly with action figures and coming up with narratives and stories and playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, where you are, okay, it's your turn to, to write this part of the story in the terms of what you perform as, as the person sitting there holding the dice in your hand. And I think like that, I think that's where the source of that sort of iterative or that generative process, you know, of free association sort of sort of lives in within me do you because you have to write your own stories xander as you well know to make your own comics where do you think that for you because it's not solving the problem for somebody else well yeah you're right and and it is i mean i think it is hard but i i mean i always like to start with with yeah like a problem like um i want this to be a mystery or i want this to be a, a coming of age story like and so in a way, there are things that you have to do, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of people's expectations. Well, if I say I'm doing a mystery, well, it's going to need to have certain things. It's going to need to have a twist and it's going to need to have, you know, uh, all the clues sprinkled throughout. And I mean, mm-hmm. I like the idea that like if somebody just said, write the great American novel, it's the, wor- it's the worst thing that anyone could ever do. It's like, oh, what's it, what's it going to be like? Oh, it's supposed right. to be good. It's like, well, I don't want to make something that's good. good. <laughs> I mean, but if they say, write something that is terrifying. Oh, okay. Now we're talking. Right. Write something that is thrilling. Okay. You know, write something that is funny. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. But I mean, good. What does that even mean? You know what right. I mean? Constraints. So, yeah. what, what I, I, like, I mean, I think, uh, 
I mean, I, I think that it's it's always. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of talk recently about like um, agency of characters and agency, you know, like, and it's like I I love the restricted agency of like characters because it's like you don't want everybody to have all the choices that they can have. You that's right. a great story is when you 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 have two bad choices and which one you make is the is the thing that re, you know explains your character and i yeah. i feel the same way where it's like I, I don't want a story where i can just tell anything i want to do i want to be able to just i mean it's nice to be able to say like oh i want to you know i did a kid story last time i want to do a horror story this time but like it's nice to just say this is a horror story and it has horror story rules and uh and so we're going to we're going to pay off all we're going to pay off or invert all the things that you're expecting of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, that's makes, that makes complete sense. And I, and I absolutely agree in the terms of having the, I guess, whatever the expected structure of whatever the thing is. And then you do have the opportunity to subvert it. If you know, however you so care to like, I like I'm writing a section right now, which I outlined in detail the other week. And it's really funny because as I'm writing it, I'm changing things, but I'm also going like, I'm also not thinking like it's as interesting as it was when I outlined it because I'm re-experiencing it already. Like I'm already like, oh, like, but like all the things, all that, you know, like you were saying, the choices, like I've peeled all the choices away. Like I take them away from all the characters, but I already know where it's going at this point. Yeah. So I'm like, oh. Oh, but now I have the opportunity to kind of really kind of like, you know, noodle and fiddle with things to make them go, you know, be vexed even further. Yeah. That is, I mean, yeah, I, I, it really is, it really is sort of like a hard thing when you, when you, uh, well, I mean, when you're on that one on the fifth draft, it's just sort of like, ah, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to, you know, I'm a little tired of my own story. It's, and it's super tough, like in the hard, you know, real hard part about it with, you know, comic books, especially you when you're writing and drawing your stuff is that it's far harder to make the changes because the changes aren't a matter of like, let me grab this section and move it over here. And then I'll just write a little bit of connector material for all the stuff to right. make it. Not to blend. mention that the, you know, first issue is out. <laughs> right. Right. That yeah, no. can't be redone. Yeah. It's, it's super, it's super tough. So, um, you were talking about like, you know, a, a mystery or whatever, but like, but what was your, what in your head when you started like Kaiju Max or you're like, this is a, you know, I mean, are yeah. you making a, 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 are you making like a, a comp list of like, it's Oz meets this. And then yeah. you're like, okay. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, and it's like, um, I, I felt like my, my writing style is a little downbeat. Like, my characters are a little numb. My characters are a little bit sort of like low key. And so I sort of said to myself, well, I want to do something that starts at a hundred. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then my sort of like sad storytelling is going to drag it, drag it down to sort of like a palatable level, you know? And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, the first season is it's a hundred percent like beat for beat, like Oz, you know, mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, and then the, another season is like orange is the new black. I mean, it's I I felt like I wanted it to be so familiar storytelling wise that like I could put in a whole bunch of kooky monsters and stuff and people wouldn't and people would go like oh yeah yeah haha ha, that's that's funny I, I know what to expect but now you presented it to me in a weird way so so I get a kind of a chuckle out of it or you know or it's sad and 
disgusting, which is usually <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I again, it's like I I feel like I I think genre stuff is so is so powerful because of what people expect out of it that I I see no problem with sort of sticking to the tropes and sticking to the uh, mm -hmm. the structures of that stuff. Well, I, I think there's, I mean, there's a, there's a value in the form that, you know, that we as, you know, creators and we as, you know, consumers of this stuff, we get a lot out of this stuff. You know, we, you know, when you like, cause people like if they, if you love horror, you love horror. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, like, so you're in for the ride is, and, and if the person is being, is honoring all those strictures they'll they're, they're going to be with you no matter how crazy you get yeah yeah well you know you know and people i i mean i think that there's a when people talk about elevated horror or whatever i mean part of me finds that to be very annoying you know when people sort of say like that oh this thing is it transcends things because it's more popular the way that the way that harry potter was sort of you know like everybody liked it who even didn't like fantasy you know or right. certain horror movies are elevated horror because you'd like them even if you don't like horror and that's, that's i mean that's sometimes that's interesting yeah if you don't like horror here's something that might draw you in but i also just think it's so insulting to think <laughs> that people who do you know a genre and have for years and years like haven't been doing it right they needed somebody you know they needed somebody to come in there and show them how it's done that's obnoxious <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very much so <laughs> yeah i i and i think uh, i mean look, I, good is good if you do it good, it doesn't matter. I, I'm okay with it. You know, have fun, have fun with it. Um, yeah. But so like just, you know, site, going back to Kaiju Max, I mean, when you're, I mean, when you're kicking like these ideas around, like, you know, you're gathering your notes of life that you see things and stuff. And then you're, are you, you know, are you watching Orange is the New Black and then going, It'd be really funny if like, you know, you're, you know, that sort of mind goes like, Oh, I love how they keep doing these, you know, these prison shows, but they're different kind of things and different tones. And, Oh, and then, Oh, click it happens. Oh yeah. And, and I think about all the media that I've consumed just for, just for research. Right. You know, like in, in a way, like, you know, I've watched hundreds of monster movies. And I don't mm -hmm. know if I would have watched hundreds of monster movies if I didn't need to like mine them for like dor dorky ideas for my comic book, you know, like, cause not all, not all of them are great. And a lot of them are not great because they're like super, you know, dated or they're racist or they're, you know, like weird in that way. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I like, it, it's interesting that my mind clicks into a, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but like my mind sort of clicks into a gear where it's like, I'm watching this and I'm enjoying it, but I'm kind of enjoying it more because I'm looking for like the, the peculiar like aspects of it or the data aspects of it or like how, mm -hmm. you know, things like this were in every 70s monster movie or whatever, you know, like all these, uh, all these sort of like strange little peculiarities that that's the, that's the stuff that I think is, is really great. And it's, and, and I mean, it's, it's fun to, to watch and enjoy that but I have to watch it through that lens of like, yeah. Oh, I'm kind of mining it for ideas. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's a guy. I mean, you're almost your, you know, your third person, you know, 
yeah. you know, narrator in your own sort of experience, because you have to kind of like, rather than, because it's so easy to kind of embed yourself into a story and get lost in a story, but you have to kind of go, no, I'm going to sit over here and I'm going to watch this and I'm going to take it in on, on an elemental level. And I think, yeah, like you, you always, and I feel like it's easy to get sort of sucked into like a story and not be able to see the forest for the trees. And I was really trying to resist that and sort of always sort of take the bird's eye view and say, okay, this, this has to sort of deliver on these thriller elements, on these kaiju elements, on these like crime story elements. So that I didn't ever like, so that it wasn't ever like a little, I don't know. So, so that it isn't something that people are like, oh, it's just his, you know, his uh, sort of self-indulgent Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> right, the loved project that nobody else can sort of get into. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, and I think I think because you are hunting for that connective tissue, that makes it something that, that the fans of either one of those two can go. Oh, there's the thing that I love, and I yeah. love what, like how he's woven it into this whole piece. Right, and I, yeah, and you and you hope that like. Well, a person who loves one but maybe not the other can still enjoy mm-hmm. it, you know. And yeah. I mean, hopefully, somebody who doesn't even really like either one of those but maybe has read my other books would be like, "Oh, I can, I can still get this." And I know, like, oh, this nonsense word is like a stand-in for this swear word. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> like, I, right. I don't even know. I enjoyed, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the the made-up swear words. They were fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't need to know that it, what what it's a reference to. It's it's just there. It's just dumb stuff. No. When um, did you know that it was going to be more than what you thought it would be at the beginning? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it's probably been pretty recent, you know, like uh, during, I mean, I sort of did the last couple of seasons during the pandemic and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that it's only been in the last couple of shows that I went to that people... I don't know. Part of this is aging, but like people refer to me differently. Like, Oh, like I was on a panel, like, Oh, we've got the new artists. And then we've got, you know, sort of these guys are delivering good, good stuff. And then we have our veteran masters. You know? Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. Like those sound just like a way of saying an old cartoonist, which, uh, you know, I'm getting there, but like, um, but it was interesting because it was like, Oh, that, that was not that was not a shift that I'd made in my own head, mm. but I, I like you know obviously that's nice, but like but it's funny to sort of say, uh, I don't know. It, I mean, again, it's like it, it it was nice when it got to the point where like the consensus was this is a good comic, and mm. that if you're into these things, you should read it. If you're not, don't because it's grim. But like. Uh, <laughs> But it, it was it was nice in the last couple of years to sort of have a go like, oh, yeah, like this is this has cemented a certain type of type of career around me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, as opposed yeah. to as opposed to just. I mean, you know, we're always just kind of flailing, making comics and, and hoping that they're any good. But it's nice to sort of have one that stuck a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is grim. And it's it, and the really interesting, you know, you know, counterpoint to that is the way you draw, which isn't grim. So it's it's so you it's so kind of you know I don't know like 
you look, when I look at your books, I'm like, oh, okay. But then like, you know, when you were talking earlier, like how like kind of downbeat, you know, you'll, your, your books typically are I'm like, oh, okay. Like it, it's so interesting how, but you, everything's very bright visually. You are very like sort of positive visually, but like in this, but it's, everything's written in a minor key. <laughs> well, and, and, and I think that, that, that those things fed each other because originally uh-huh. I was going to write it, uh, for another artist who, uh, Brian Brown, who does the, he did 8 billion genies most recently, um, and, uh, got astronauts and curse words mm-hmm. and his stuff, his stuff is, uh, is over the top and, and wild, but it's also much more sort of, uh, the proportions of people are correct and all that, you know, all that extra academic nonsense. But, uh, <laughs> but he, but it, his style is very vivid and it, there's not sort of that, uh, there's not sort of that lens of cartooniness that I think you know, it's kind of sweetens everything up, makes you mm-hmm. maybe not really like be totally grossed out by like, a, you know, a landscape full of guts or whatever. And right. so I, if, if he had ended up drawing the comic, I probably would have dialed back a lot of the horror, you know, or a lot of the horrors of it. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, but with my art style, I could see what was hitting the page and I'm like, this isn't, I mean, God awful stuff happens the you know the whole time through and and it's like yeah I mean you're aware of it but in a way it's a little bit like reading prose where you're you're there's a distance uh, mm-hmm. you're and you can kind of accept it a little bit better I don't think that people have tolerated it if it were more realistic um, well, yeah I mean I guess you are you are kind of offering some space you know to to the horrors that happen you know between these characters yeah. And then, yeah, somebody, somebody's arm gets cut. And I mean, you know, the nature of the thing where I could say like, oh, somebody tears their arm off. And it's like, it's just going to grow back, you know, right. <laughs> like all, the, all these dumb little monster tropes. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, and of course I never, I don't want to like traumatize people or, or be, you know, or kind of snicker up in my sleeve at like how, how horrified people are, but I, I don't want them to be horrified in a, like a, in a humorous way where they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Oh, that's, you know, <laughs> that's grotesque without being traumatic, I guess. Right. So when you put it all together initially, what was your, what was your sense of scope? And like, obviously you said that you sort of kind of re envisioned the scope, I guess, through the pandemic because you had the space um, did you start and say, I have this arc and I wanted to get to here, or did you have sort of a, a here to here point? And then you're like, you're like, I can go on if I needed to go on from here to here. Um, I, well, the, Oni at the time, uh, was, I mean, was, was really sort of, you know, again, it's like when, when Ryan went to do other things and, uh, you know, they were, I was sort of like, well, that's, that's that. And they're like, well, do you want to draw it? And first of all, I was like, no. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work, but, uh, <laughs> but then they, you know, they convinced me and I ended up lettering it and coloring it. And I mean, you know, I can't, I can't sort of like help, help myself. And, uh, right. but, but they were very supportive from the start. And so they were like, well, how many, how many, and I said, well, let's do a six issue season. And they're like, how many seasons do you think they're going to be? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, well, choose something. And I'm like, so we kind of settled on six because like yeah. that can be divided by two. It can be, be divided by three. And so, you know, then you have, and, and it, as it turned out, it's like, okay, there's six soft covers and then three mm-hmm. hard covers, which are two, you know, collect two of those books each. 
and that that worked out really well. And at the time, I had sort of said, oh, okay, the first season's going to be like, you know, the, the introduction to all the basic stuff in this prison. Second season, I think that, they'll, you know, somebody will escape. We'll see what life is like on the outside. And then I kind of didn't know. But, I mean, I you know, I, had, I knew all these things about this character's story is going to go this way. This character's story is going to go this way. You know, oh, the third season, oh, hey, maybe I'll just talk more about the gangs. You know, mm -hmm. like, and then the, the fourth season, okay, let's do a women's prison, you know, that's the, the next island over or whatever. And the uh, fifth, and we can do, like, the, the legal system. You know, so it just, things were starting to occur to me. I mean, I had, again, it's like I had all these threads mapped out or at least right. sort of conceived of. And then I, and then I had to sort of, like, think like a writer and say, this book is about this. It's not just the latest five issues, six issues. Mm -hmm. It's it's got to be about something. So we've got to start a bunch of stories in each each one, and then and conclude, you know, almost all of them. I only wanted, you know, I only wanted a couple threads to continue from book to book. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's very much, very much, you know, wire esque in the terms of like how do you how do you move the point of view through this same world? Yeah, and yeah, and I and I think, um, and again, it's like. I think that the book comes across as being very personal or, and it comes across as being very sort of like, uh, and, and it is, but I also just think like, I really, I really was so much of it was very planned and very like sort of coldly calculated from a, <laughs> from a story, you know, like people are like, well, how'd you come up with this character? He's so sad. And I'm like, I just wanted a counterpoint to that character, you know, this, right. you know, and uh, Oh, this is, they're just chess pieces. Until I start writing their dialogue, and then of course, you know, it kind they're, of they're my dear children that I, you know, that I can't that I murder a, an issue later or whatever. But. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's yeah, and it was it was actually a kind of a treat to get to go through what you sent me because some of them, you know, because you had all the iterations there, I was able to see sort of the developmental level of the of the pages. So mm -hmm. as you as you did the layered artwork, and like I could see just the line work over the fully colored backgrounds and I could see flattened pages. It was kind of cool. It was a nice yeah. little, nice little, nice little touch. Um, so how do you, how do you structure your, your work, your work? You know, like you have a studio, uh, do you share a studio? Is I it do. A, I share a studio. It, it was just me and, uh, Kevin Cannon for a while. Who's not related mm -hmm. to me. He's the, he's the cartoonist here. And, um, but, uh, now it's, it's like, I mean, it's essentially my, my studio, my name's on the lease anyway. And then, uh, and then okay. I share, and then uh, everybody kind of like has a section, you know, ha has their own little eight by eight section or whatever. And then we can share whatever, right. a, a large format printer and a large format scanner and Wi-Fi and water and a fridge and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, and, and that's, I, I love that. And I've always worked outside the home because I mean, it's, it's less about what's there, but about what's not at home, you know, like there's no, right. there's no stuff sitting on your drawing table, like staring at you. And, uh, there's no, um, uh, I mean, you know, hopefully that you can kind of let go of the day's work and, you know, gather strength for the, for the next one. Yeah. Um, and it's pain, you know, when somebody's like, oh, we need this, you know, we need this file uploaded at eight o'clock at night. And you're like, <laughs> I have yeah. to drive, you know, whatever. <laughs> down to the studio no, i guess it's no big deal well, the nice the nice thing about the, the the if you do have a sort of a cloud you know 
on top of your hard, your hard, sort of your hard files, it does make it easier. I found that like, I've, you know, on projects, I'm, I can just pull my phone out, go yeah. find it in Dropbox yeah. and send them the thing. I'm like, okay, good. I don't have to, I don't have to move. I'm, I'm yeah. covered. I'm almost there. I'm almost there, but it's like, you okay. know, sometimes it's so hard. Well, sometimes when, when, a like when I, when I finished Kaiju Max, I like, I, got all kinds of stuff that I was like waiting on. I was like, I got a new graphics card. I got a new Cintiq. I got a new this. I got a new chair. I got, a, you know, like all this stuff that I didn't want to change. Cause I was like, I don't want to mess things up. I don't want right. <laughs> to, yeah. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to rock so, the boat. I don't even want to like change the pen, you know, the pen tool, you know? No, no, you got to keep it all. Got to keep it. Got to keep with the working with how it works. Cause it's, it's, it's a, uh, well, it's funny because we, you know, as an artist, you, you said it earlier about going to the art store, you know, and finding that pen, like, you know, you love going to the art store. The art store is this excitement point of like opportunity, like, Oh, this inspiration will hit you from a, you know, a, you know, an inanimate object. Um, but we do get entrenched in the tools that we use. Do you, do you try to like stick with those tools or where do you give yourself the space to evolve something into your, into your process? I like to change tools with every project. Uh, cool. I mean, every sort of like creator owned, you know, I write and draw off project. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it like if somebody, I'm, I'm going to do a Rick and Morty thing and, uh, you know, and so, but I'm basically going to draw it the same way I drew Kaiju Max because it's like, well, it's, that's basically the style anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But, but like, um, but yeah, I did it, you know, when I, right before Kaiju Max, I did a book called Heck and the way, you know, and, and it's, a very downbeat. It's about hell, you know, that kind of stuff. But anyway, I did it. I did it with a, with a brush pen on like typing paper at print size. Wow. And that has this, I mean, it has sort of like a remarkable effect because it's like, well, you, you can't do detail. You can't, you know, somebody's looking into the distance. You really kind of can't, you know, you have to do the minimum uh, to, to sort of identify things. And so there, so mm-hmm. it, it changes how you make things. You're like, okay, this, this story about hell is going to be pretty like light on the details. Like everything's just going to be sort of this oppressive darkness around these characters um, because there's no room for anything else. Um, and yeah. then Kaiju Max, you know, being full color and me kind of learning how to do color. Well, then that, then it's like, okay, now, now we have something that's so bright and so colorful and, uh, and I'm really going to play with that. Um, I, you know, I've done all these other, these other pro- I had a project plans that uh, was going to just use uh, watercolor and uh, colored pencil um, so that everything was going to be a little bit light and you, and you would uh, it would sort of like have, have a really stylized approach. And then I, you know, another one that's black and white and red, you know, where it's uh, and, and cross heavily cross hatched and things like that. I mean, I, I really like how it's almost like a cheap way of getting new ideas. Is just yeah. changing tools and having them go like, oh, I can't do this that that I would have done with the you know in full color. I'll have to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and it's it's very much in line with what you were saying earlier about you know just writing a story. If you are writing a mystery, these are the constraints. If you're yeah. writing a what whatever, these are the constraints. And when you are working with specific tools, they have constraints, and you have to work within them because otherwise if you're using a tool that doesn't allow you to find detail well then how big does it have to be to get fine detail well then that's not realistic so solve the problem yeah and i i think and i and i think also 
if I'm right, if I'm drawing something for someone else, I don't want to restrict myself so much because they may be asking for something that then I'm, you know, and I'm screwed if I can't do it, you know, right. but if I'm writing it, then I could, then I can have that sort of feedback loop of like, here's yeah. the art. Oh, that's going to change what I'm writing. And then that, you know, what I'm writing then changes what I'm going to draw. And I, I really like, as much as I like planning out my stories, I like having it be, there be a, a sense of improvisation on the page if mm -hmm. I, you know, if it's possible. Yeah, um, no, I, I dig, I totally dig that. Interested. <laughs> no, I totally dig that. And uh, I mean, yeah, and I think that was the, you know, that was the whole idea of getting new tools, breaking, you, when you plateau, I mean, because we all plateau in whatever we're doing. And yeah. one of the best ways to break that plateau is to find something that you can, you know, force your brain to go, how do I solve this problem with this new, you know, this new input? And not just in quality, but just, but in speed too. Like, I mean, I, the, when I did this book heck with the, with the brush pen and the, you know, small size, it's like, I was trying to break myself out of like a, a fussiness that had started to creep in where, mm -hmm. where I would, you know, crosshatch things. So, so in such intricate detail that everything was taking an age to do. And so right. I wanted something where I could work fast enough that there would be a, a flow to it and almost, I wouldn't say like a manga like flow, but I mean, a, but a, a, a flow that was sort of like, you could really time things out. You would know how long it would take for somebody to read a panel or a page and you could make, you know, the sort of the plot beats come at sort of like a predictable interval. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, well, whatever you're doing, it's, it's working because you've been okay. doing it for, okay, good. Long, <laughs> no, I mean, it's true. I mean, like you don't, you don't get to do what you've done for as long as you've done on, you know, on your own of your own things and do it for publishers for other things. If you're not doing it, you know, at a high, high level, like it just doesn't work. People don't do that. Or yeah, can't. But, yeah. I mean, I, and, and I think, I think that for a long time I was like, this isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, all yeah. of this, it's not working, you know, but I, but I don't know how to do anything else. So I guess I've got to, you know, tough it out. You know, there, there was uh before heck, before heck came out. I mean, I was doing a lot of, I was doing storyboards for like PSAs about how to, mm -hmm. you know, keep work sites free of beryllium or, you know, like stuff that was not exactly in my, in, you know, yeah. it wasn't one of my interests, let's say. No, no, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, you know, and, and so for a long time, I was just like, I don't know how I've just sort of like managed to paint myself into the corner of basically doing things I don't want to do, but mm -hmm. I did. And so I, and so this book, uh, this book was, was a sort of a rebellious act of some kind. I mean, I was kind of, I was doing it with no real intention to publish it. I was just trying to do something that it, one thing in my life that I would enjoy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and it, that that worked out. I mean, it was yeah. you know, we're, we're great. You it can, was nominated for an Eisner. Like right. you bet, you bet on yourself. And like, I think if you, it's a very, it's a hard, it's a hard line to run. If you know, like everyone wants to bet on themselves, but you have to, you have to look honestly at what you're capable of doing and what you've done. And when you make that bet, because the bet, you know, you can end up with nothing. So the goal is to say, I know that I can do the, all these things. I have proven time and time again, I'm not just making this up in my head to go, I just want to do something like you yeah. can, you can do it with a little bit of, you know, awareness. Yeah. 
Well, one of the big ones was that I realized that, that I realized that I'd had ADHD, you know, and I, one of the things, I mean, you know, you show of hands at comic conventions, it would be like yeah. everybody. Almost. But, yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, what my parents never thought I did because like they'd give me a car, a little matchbox car and I'd play with it for two hours. And it's like, yeah, cause that was interesting. But like <laughs> math homework on the other hand was not, was not super great for me. Right. So yeah, like, cause you had to yell at me to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I'll do it when it's urgent. I mean, there's, yep. you know, there's all those sure. rules about like what, you know, what, when people with ADHD will do stuff. Um, but anyway, like, and, and starting to realize, okay, well, that comes with weaknesses, obviously, and strengths as well, because it's like, I don't ever want to do something that I don't enjoy. And so when I ended up doing a, a book that was like, it took no, it took no sort of, I, it was not, I was not putting like tons and tons of craft into every page, but mm-hmm. I was always following a story where it interested me. And, yeah. the, and the payoff was that it's a pretty interesting story and it's, it flows in a way that, it, that keeps the, keeps people engaged, even though. I was winging it, you know, like I was totally <laughs> winging the story, but I was always all just following my own, my own sort of, uh, sort of idiosyncrasies and, and, uh, and, and sort of interests at the time. So yeah, uh, yeah there was a, there was a, there's a, a time to sort of like accept my weaknesses and, and, and see if there's any silver lining to that or a flip side. Oh, I, I think that, I mean, I think that's just a huge lesson for anybody to learn and to hear somebody say it, because I think if we can all, you know, look at ourselves and gain that, that insight, I think that's huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it, and, and, you know, it's still, it still is a problem, you know, of course. When, every when day you're juggling 50 things, it's like a lot of these things are not going to get done or no. I'm going to have to get yelled at before they get done. <laughs> yeah. No, every, every single day. I mean, I, I, I write about it incessantly in my newsletter all the time. Like it is just, it is my constant battle every day to beat the, my own antagonist, which is me. Like I have to, how do I beat me? You know, every single day. And that's my, right. that's my job. Right. In single combat. It's, uh, yes. Just got to roll up the sleeves and start punching. Exactly. Get right in there. All right. Um, so you are on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm on, yes, Twitter uh, or whatever it's called now. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, <laughs> uh, yeah. Xander underscore Cannon. And then I'm also on Instagram, Xander Cannon. And then I migrated my Instagram over to thread threads. Just at Xander Cannon. Um, anything people, anything you want to just to, to, pimp right now um i'm boy i'm in t- i'm between major projects but i just had a i just had a project come out or i just had a short story come out in xeno which is oni's anthology of science fiction stories right, right. A short story come out in uh 2000 ad uh their their color edition um that's sort of all ages um i have a short story with gene ha that's coming out in ahoy comics uh anthology about cryptids Awesome. And, uh, yeah. So, and then I'm, uh, I'm just about to start working on a, uh, a Rick and Morty one shot. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Gene's the best. He's such oh, yeah. a great guy and unbelievably talented. Yeah. And, and he, you know, I had talked about the, there's the layouts. He's the one who sort of eased me into it. Cause I was doing layouts for top 10 and then we did a layouts for a lot of stuff. And he's always kind of like, I mean, Gene has been my Sherpa for many 
many sort of like projects into the mainstream comic book world where I'm yeah. always kind of like, mm, I don't know if I want to go in there. He's like, come on. <laughs> <Let's do it." laughs> he's a good, en- good enabler for all the oh. right intentions. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's a wonderful man. The Zeno thing, that was the one that, that one that just came out. I think was Nick Cagnetti in that book with you? Uh-huh. Yep. He's sure. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is better. I gotta say, that anthology is a murder as well of like yeah. It's really, really great. So, and that was with um, and the the editor of that is Zach Soto, who is uh, who is he was the editor on the last couple of years of Hydromax. Okay, so that was, well, that was old home week for, for me. You know. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Xander, I, it's great to talk to you. We um. Uh, yeah, we go. It's weird. We go back a long way, but we've never had the time to really chat. Maybe we'll have to do this again on a very specific thing later Absolutely. on. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for taking the time. All right. Have a good one.